Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. So uh, thank you so much for joining this episode, episode number 32 of The Full Set. I am your bodacious bodied host, Didi motherfucking Delgado, and I am here with my esteemed, more than esteemed, my revered colleague, none other than <laughs> L Hearns. L, welcome to The Full Set. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me, Dee. Hi, everybody out there watching. Thank y'all for tuning in. So excited to be here with my dear, dear, dear friend and uh, comrade. So excited to be here at the full set. <laughs> you make me smile and I don't even know why you're doing that. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you do that. It's fine. I just, I'm letting you know, I don't know why you do that. Um, so... I'm going to read your bio because I feel like people should know all the things that I know. And um, for those who aren't aware of you, I mean, many people, when I say many people, many people were like, oh my gosh, Ella's coming on the show. This is a lituation. How you do this? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I asked her. I mean, you know, so um, I want people to know you like I know you. So I'm going to read your bio and then I'm going to tell them what I know about you. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. L. Hearns is the founder and executive director of the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. L. is an accomplished writer whose work has been published by the CUNY Law Review and Ebony Magazine. Her work has been profiled and featured by Posture Magazine, CNN, MTV, The New York Times, Time Magazine, Democracy Now!, Fusion Essence Magazine, come on Black woman, Telesur TV, and The Washington Post. Prior to founding the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, Elle served as a founding strategic partner to the BLM Global Network, where she has also formerly worked as the interim organizing director. Elle previously served on the board for Million Hoodies Movement for Justice and is the lead advisor to the Tamir Rice Afrocentric Cultural Center. Elle splits her time between her hometown of Columbus, Ohio and New York City your cash app and your Venmo is about to be the pin post up in this bitch. El Hearns, <laughs> welcome to the full set. How you doing, baby? Thank you so much for that uh, full welcome. Bios always feel so full. So <laughs> that was a complete welcome. So thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So um, I wanted to say, for, very first of all, <clears throat> You a bad bitch. I was going to put it in the advertising. I was going to be like, y'all don't know a bad bitch until you came and meet this one. And then I was like, let me be professional because Elle is such a Christian lady. And I just want to be appropriate at all times around you. I'm a heathen just like everybody else. I just yes, bitch. Yes. Yeah, I, just, I just happen to know God and love God. But, you know, I still am a heathen who's constantly being human yes ma'am so I just I'm I'm like I'm beside myself because um the second thing I wanted to say is um I'm apologizing to you because you I mean you don't even have to look at me I would prefer you actually look away while I have this moment of accountability um so I want to apologize to you because you have extended yourself graciously in a way um that sometimes I think I do not deserve. 
because not only are you a friend, you are a mentor, you are a black woman, you are just, you are so knowledgeable. Sometimes I sit and listen to you, I'll be like, this bitch really know what the fuck she's talking about. And you have extended yourself to not only myself, but to my friend group in a way that you're like, I'm here. Y'all bitches just need to plug in because I'm already here. Like, bring me to Boston, like, let it happen. And we do, but we don't. And I want to say that that's a real thing that I, I think I take advantage of the fact that you have extended yourself because that must be tiring. And so I wanted to say, I'm sorry. Um, I should call you more. I should check in on you. Not just when I need you to appear on my show or be um, the hot trending topic to my trans interviews. And you know what I'm saying? So I want to say I'm sorry because you were a real bitch and you were a real friend. I know that you, I know that about you. No, I appreciate that. You know, I, I try to stay down with my folks in, you know, all of the ways that I can, people who have supported me and those who have struggled with things that I've struggled with. I always try to make sure that I'm never so far ahead in my own mind that I forget to you know, reach not, not, not back, but out, you know, I don't really believe in reaching back because in that, you know, reach back means you've surpassed someone. And I think we're all kind of transitioning through life in many ways that, you know, we're passing each other in lots of ways that, you know, aren't necessarily reaching back. We're just kind of walking by each other. So if I'm walking by you in this thing called life, there's no reason for me not to reach out, especially if I know I didn't been through something that you going through or you might end up going through. I would definitely rather reach out than to see people suffer alone, you know? So I appreciate that accountability. I think, um, you know, it's not necessarily warranted, but you know, Why everybody I, say that niggas be like, she's well, never accountable. And then I apologize. And they be like, you didn't have to apologize. <laughs> well, just to be clear, I'm not most niggas. So, you know, my approach is not going to be the same as people who ain't been through the same things that I've been through. So, right. you know, um, yeah. So, and I think it's really easy for Black women to assume that we have to apologize for things that other people never apologized for. So I never want anyone to assume. I'm going to so have to go back and watch this. Yeah, I never want someone to assume so much weight and responsibility to me, you know, based off of the assumption of what I'm carrying. You know, I think really tuning in to a relationship requires, you know, um, one to be present so that they don't ever have to apologize for things that feel very like frivolous to me. But I appreciate you and thank you and, and love Boston um, tremendously. Umbridge. Yeah, shout out to Boston. I don't know any other nigga that been in Cambridge and then got, you know, bullets tossed at him and shit. You know what I mean? But um, it's all love. Shout out to Monica. I, shout out. I love uh, Monica dearly. Loved you dearly. And, you know, despite my own, I think, reservations, you know, around um, why people are accessing me in movement and doing very human testing to see, like, is this a genuine person? Is this somebody mm -hmm. who's like the feds? You know, I've had to do my own kind of interrogation and investigation. So in a lot of ways, I think, you know, you might've been doing that with me also. So I understand none of us know each other from nowhere, but I will always be clear. I'm a girl from Columbus. 
you know, what you see is what you get. And that has been very true. And so to your point, um, <laughs> largely about like, you know, that not necessarily that I need to take accountability, but you, you were saying that like, it's like a human testing of sorts. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you ever feel tokenized or get tired of being one of the more visible trans people and representatives? Um, and when I say visible, I mean, I'm just gonna say it because I wouldn't be me if I didn't. I mean, relatably visible. Um, like, would you be okay if I, if I only asked you about Beyonce tonight? I mean, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to, yeah. we didn't practice. We didn't do a run through. So. No, no, we haven't talked. We haven't spoken. It's not, nothing like that. This is really impromptu. Um, you know, I think that because I have come into a very visible role at a very visible time, it's caused people to fixate on one part of who I am, but, you know, there's so many other pieces and parts and particles that really make me who I am. So, you know, I happen to be a trans woman, but at the end of the day, I'm a woman. So, you know, there are interests that I have that are far beyond, you know, my gender. Um, you know, there are things that I love that have nothing to do with who I am. Um, right. In terms like oh she's a trans woman you know I I love sports <laughs> that's not necessarily relegated to being a trans woman I, I love, hate it here already the conversation is over really? oh my yeah. god I, I love NBA 2k you know what I'm saying that's not relegated to me being a trans woman I love makeup that's not so right. you know, in a lot of ways I do feel that there's a natural tokenization that happens right. to marginalized people whether you just happen to be a fly ass bitch. There's going to be some tokenizing around being fly. There's going to be some white girl that comes along who tries to emulate you. Or mm -hmm. in my experience as a trans woman, there's probably going to be some cis woman who never can be as free as I am, who also wants to either emulate me or access what I have. And, and so, you know, in lots of ways, I feel like tokenizing and tokenization happens to me more than just in the form of, can you be a guest on this show? Can you speak right. on this channel? Those are definitely ways that it happens, but it also shows up, you know, in interpersonal relationships. So it's unavoidable, you know, it's the, the messy part about being human and being insecure. Right. Um, but it's also the messy part about being relatable is mm. what parts of myself do I still have for me? And what parts of myself that people are accessing can they respect? as a form of me as opposed to their own interpretation of what they would want to be so you know tokenization is a really hard thing to avoid when you are visible but you know I try to really govern myself in a way that is not overtly accessible overtly visible especially via social media where I think people really look to make examples out of you and I feel like I'm the only person that can make an example out of me. Oh, so, sure. you know, that's, that's, that's how I feel about it. But yeah, none of that tokenization that, you know, movement does. I don't subscribe to that. And anytime that people have avoided to, or attempted to do that with me, I have avoided them and right. have never work with them or sit in their presence or let them, you know, speak. Cause they don't deserve it. I mean, exactly. You can only give people grace for so long. But what do I know? I'm just well, listening. I'm just listening, ma'am. I've given a lot of grace 
to a lot of people. And you know what? One thing I will say is I don't I haven't necessarily gotten tired of tokenization. I have gotten tired of loving people. So that mm. is what I have gotten tired of. I've gotten tired of loving people despite their human ways. Right. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, I've gotten tired of myself. Mm. <laughs> um, just having some of the same kind of scenario show up again has taught me so much about what parts of me do I need to work on so that I'm not sick and tired of, of myself at the end of the day. Um, I once, that resonates with me so much because um. I once told two individuals that, you know, deeply, you know, they were hurt that I, I stopped working with them and they're like, you just ended everything. And I was like, bitch, I'm ending myself like, like daily. Like I I'm in a struggle with myself daily. And if I can't be present in this moment to stand up for me or to protect myself, then I've already, I like, I lost, like, what am I doing it for other people for? I've lost, you know? Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that. And with that said, I'd like to ask you, what the fuck is your favorite Beyonce song? Oh, God. <laughs> Lord. Oh, that's hard. Um, you have to whittle it down. I mean, there's, I there's layers. I really do appreciate her. The older that I've gotten, I've appreciated her more. Um, to have a vision around your life and your art and, and your passion and to see it through and to constantly innovate is you know mm. I really appreciate all of the femme queens you know Beyonce and Janet and Patty and you know that's that's where my first love is is with music and is with art but my favorite Beyonce song you better bring the fucking heat you know what let's go through <laughs> the visit it really quick because that catalog is crazy but there are he was like i gotta scroll really i got, i have to scroll <laughs> because there's one song that immediately comes to mind but um oh my god i love so i love um i love sandcastles um oh like i really Oh, you're a sentimental bitch. Okay, all right. I am. I love <laughs> castles. I love all night. But I think my favorite Beyonce song. Did you go back far enough in the discography before I you decided? I am Tasha Fierce. Okay, like, all right. I'll allow it. That's how far I'm going back because. So you don't appreciate Destiny's Child, Beyonce. No, what I got to tell you look like you were struggling. Okay, I love Destiny's Child, especially the last album. That album really got me through high school. But mm. um, I think my favorite Beyonce song of all time is "Smash Into You." I love "Smash Into You." I love that. I love that record. It's such a different record for her, and you know the sentimental, soft records of Beyonce really touch me in a very different place. I refuse to comment at this point in time, but I've learned something new about you. I knew you were soft on the inside, underneath the exoskeleton that you put up to the world, but I ain't know that you was Sasha Fierce soft. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, your girl is a hopeless romantic. romantic. I'm romantic at heart. So I'm a lovey dovey. Yeah, I'm a lover before anything. No, you're very loving. Um, I want to like pivot for a second because we're going to do this back and forth. We just, I mean, you know, they oh, tell me I'm, 
I'm the emotional roller coaster. So I, I mean, have time. Let's, you let's have time. <laughs> We're um, no, I appreciate you spending this time with me too. Um, shout out to my team. Um, yes, these interns have really been busting they ass. Like they come up with the questions. They out here like Olivia Fenty and also um, KD Amarek. Thank you so much for helping me today. So something I wanted to ask you is how do you think that COVID, you know, I know that y'all are doing, you know, we have your personal PayPal links down um, as the pinned comment. So if y'all are watching, throw some money to the sis. She is doing the work and has been much like no thanks, you know what I'm saying? So please do what y'all can. Um, what I wanted, and then there's also the link, which we'll get into later, which is your project. So I'm going to pin that once we start talking about it. Um, something I wanted to ask you was, how do you see COVID-19 impacting, like, you've been a part of social justice movement for a minute, like, even when they try to obscure you, which we don't have to talk about, or whatever, at some point, I'm just calling it like I see it. You've been part of the game for such a long time and you an on the ground bitch you not you not you understand what i'm saying you deserve to be up here but you you with us like you know what i'm saying you with the regular 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 bitches like you know and you do it with such a humility how do you see covid-19 impacting the way that movements uh, are currently moving oh you know I always tell people, well, which movement are you referring to? Ma'am, the whole thing. <laughs> there's, there's lots of moving movements. Um, you know, there's a sex worker movement that exists and has certainly existed in its own obscurity, you know, outside of popular mainstream movement. So, right. you know, for me, as someone who does work at the intersections, not intersectionality, not to be confused with that, please right. understand me. I feel um, like you're about to drag me for Phil. Go ahead. Uh, you know, there's a difference and uh, <laughs> I don't use words that don't have relevancy in the communities that I come from. Ain't no yep. niggas on, ain't, ain't nobody talking about intersectionality. But what niggas are talking about is the reality of their lives. And there's no one more informed than niggas in the hood. You know what I'm saying? About the shit that's happening politically. Like niggas who don't have money, niggas who are poor know exactly why they're poor. You right. know, not because they made bad choices in life. So, you know, when we talk about structural and systemic oppression, no one but the people who are experiencing it the most know it better. So we actually have never needed popular movements or um, uh, scholar activists to inform us about the conditions that we live and survive. So I'm not crying. I make that very clear when I say, well, what movement are you referring to? Because what's happening at NGOs and nonprofits is not necessarily what's happening in the communities that are going out into the street and protesting or that are you know, figuring out ways to get tissue down the street without right. catching this coronavirus. So, you know, I think that this type of pandemic has the kind of power to not only eviscerate humanity, but to actually eviscerate any movement that has thought it was truly powerful. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that we see movements eviscerated just from the co-optation of narratives and of the state. So, you know, you mix that in with a pandemic and it really makes 
popular movements obsolete because then all of those movements form into this larger response. You know, even at our own organization, the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, we've swarmed into this response to, well, how do we support, you know, people who don't have money, who are poor, who don't have access to masks, who don't have access to testing, who don't have access to health insurance, who don't have access to jobs, you right. know, so you know, it collapses any movement that's happening, whether it's around gun violence or abortion rights. And so, you know, I think that is the danger of not only this the, the, the pandemic, but the response from the government to the pandemic, um, because it really forces people to have to choose what ways they'll survive. And mm. That is the danger that I think this pandemic poses to us all is that we're being forced to pick and choose what we'll access, what we won't access and how right. we'll be able to take care of ourselves. So, you know, I hope that answers the question. I've had maybe two and a half hours, three hours of sleep. So that's also something that I think is really important to name is that trying to survive during the pandemic is exhausting. You know, yes. I, I know for me, I'm up at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to sleep until like 11 a.m. So, you know, it makes our our warriors, our leaders, you know, bad bitches, it, it's exhausting for us. Um, Do you see my hair? That's how you know I was exhausted. <laughs> what right, I told you before like, we even got on this call, I was like, bitch, I look like I need a sponsor right now. Like, come exactly. on. I, I literally woke up out of my sleep because somebody called me and I had no idea who I was even talking to. God bless them. Shout out to, um, shout out to the person who called me. Um, because, shout out to them. Right. Shout out to them because I wouldn't even be woke right now for this if mm -hmm. they had not called about something completely unrelated to this. So, you know, it's an exhausting time. And I right. think one of the things that I've been clear about is that you know, movements that have already been existing with obscurity really have to figure out new ways to protect themselves and to also make sure that the obscurity is not, you know, depleting and, and right. taking us out of here because we know that is the bigger, bigger goal, bigger picture in just the scheme of life. Somebody has to survive and unfortunately some do have to die. And so that's what we're facing right now as movements, but just as, you know, humans. Ooh, that more than answered the question. So thank you. That was like, no, that run was, on, but I hope that was helpful. Nah, that was like, you know, when you think, when you think that Capital One is just a credit card or a bank, and then like you walking down the street in Cambridge, and then all of a sudden you see that shit's a cafe too. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Like that shit was just roundabout everywhere and at the same place, the same thing. So thank you. <laughs> like, yes, ma'am. I wanted to talk to you about um, the following three things. Um, and you, like, this is literally off the cuff. Like you said, we ain't talk. I haven't spoken to you, Al. I want to say in a little over six months. That's just not, that's just not. <laughs> it's okay. Bitch, did you just laugh at me on my own show? I mean. I did. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about romance, conflict, and death. But you picked the topic first. Oh, He's so God. cute. Um, 
Uh, let's go romance. <laughs> okay. So are you seeing anybody? I am not. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm I'm very single. So. Very single. Is that a call to action or you is just an admission? It is a call to action. Yes. <laughs> Always a call to action, you know, definitely trying to just move forward, like giving my romantic heart permission to let go and to move forward so that, you know, I can experience what not only I deserve, but what I desire. Mm. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out other people's um, pursuit or lack of pursuit of me. And right. that was something that I was clear about is like, I actually... I had someone who I was deeply in love with who told me that I needed to, they appreciated that I was a boss and they appreciated, you know, that um, I was leading. But at some point in time and whatever our relationship was that I was going to have to let them lead. And the thing about leading me, the first act that you could ever take to lead me anywhere is to actually pursue me you mm -hmm. know so if you actually aren't pursuing me it doesn't give your argument any merit you know mm -hmm. there's nothing for me to trust around what it is that you're saying because everything that you do is the complete opposite so you know I've really had to spend a lot of time with myself over the years just acknowledging what type of love I was demonstrating I need it as opposed to acknowledging what it is that I wanted. Wanted. Mm -hmm. Because what I wanted was not what I was getting. And I was getting niggas who were out here just really doing wild stuff as it related to me, you know, not, not thinking about me at all in the grand scheme of their actions where I was just basically like, I'm here, I'm available. Like I, I'm in it with you. What are we doing? You know, and honestly, I would have been able to maintain a lot of friendships with a lot of men if I, if they were honest about where they were. Um, so, yes, I'm single. Why did I even I, ask you this fucking question? I don't like you no more. Oh, no, I love you, though. You know, you know, tears are good because it's our way of release. No, that was just like a whole sermon. That was like a tiny NPR tiny desk sermon that you just gave. Like you was like that at the end of the day, if niggas would just be honest, right? Like then you would know how to maneuver. I mean, you got to figure out how to maneuver anyways. At the end of the day, the labor is all on you. And that's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. But that's also my thing is I'm not begging a nigga to be honest anymore. Ma'am. The reality is everything that I needed you to be honest about, I figured it out anyway. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, I'm still finding out about bitches that, you know what I'm saying? I asked a nigga about and the niggas was lying. Just right. not saying like, yeah, you know, I'm finding about just stuff that I don't, I don't even want to be connected to. But, you know, learning about who people that I've been begging to love me you know, has been really eye-opening about what I've been denying to myself. So, you know, my whole thing is, yeah, I'm very single and that is a call to action for someone that's going to come correctly. Come know? on, Manifester. Come yeah. on, Manifester. 
Yeah, but you got to come correct. And I mean, correct in like... What does correct look like for L. Hearns? If you have not expressed any interest in like meeting my family... You was ready. You was ready. <laughs> so ready. So ready. Because I've sat and I've spent time thinking about like, what have I not been requiring of people that I've been making feel good? You know, people that I've been satisfying. Like, what have I not been requiring for them, mm. that satisfaction from me at the end of the day I know that I was doing a lot of satisfying in ways that they would never be able to satisfy me so right. that in itself is already just kind of like what it means like a red flag yeah have you actually prioritized like worshiping the goddess that I am if you have right. not come with worship and devotion being acts of service to me in love it ain't gonna work. I'm gonna probably wanna wanna beat your ass because I know what I deserve. So right. don't be in my face and let your ass beat. I want to thank you for that because as always, mother. Oh, I was a heathen at the beginning of this though. No, I knew you was gonna whip somebody ass eventually. I mean, it's not it's not nothing. You from fucking Columbus, Ohio. I mean, come on, bitch. It, I mean, it's not nothing. So I, I was Y'all better learn about Columbus. It's not as sweet as it looks. You're like, it's not Cincinnati, bitch. <laughs> oh, no, shout out to the nasty natty. You don't want to play with them either. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm serious. I want to pivot um, from romance to conflict. Yeah. While I don't want to go into the specifics because I honor your story and I honor mine. Yeah. I want to come to something mm -hmm. you and I have discussed in depth why we do not like each other <laughs> and, and no I'm just saying like this isn't for me I can't speak yeah. for you this is yeah. an important example of conflict amongst black women you know yeah. and during the time that we didn't like each other I think it was a period of seven months uh, like it wasn't that long um but during we didn't know each other and still at, we're still after all these years still in a space of getting to know each other. So there's never gonna be a point where you can say about me, I know that bitch. And there's never gonna be a point where I could ever look at you and be like, oh, I know what that bitch is about because we're still learning one another. And you and I have been in some very intimate spaces. Um, so I wanna ask you from the romance to the conflict, cause it's a two pronged question. Cause that's the kind of bitch I am. Um, okay. is, what, <laughs> what'd you say? I said work bitch. Thank you. <laughs> So the first question that I have is that, um, you know, we didn't like each other. What do you think was the guiding factor? What do you, and I say this is about romance because you already know what I'm talking about. So uh, without going into it, what do you think is the guiding factor to why one, we didn't destroy each other or mm -hmm. need to speak down about one another or, mm -hmm. um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't need to be out in these streets being like, oh, you know, Alhern's. <laughs> like you know what i'm saying like and it's because it wasn't for me it wasn't necessary and mm -hmm. i was always curious more so about your story and wanting to know like what i had done you know what i'm saying to like receive the cold shoulder from you and when we sat and talked about it my heart broke open and we've talked about it a couple of different times because there's always a new aspect to the way niggas lie you know what i'm saying like there's always a new aspect but I guess that was the thing is like, how do you think that we, you and I came to a landmark without destroying one another? And then two, 
what parallels, if any, because a lot of what you said resonated with me. So what parallels, if any, do you feel that women who are undesirable, we both bad bitches, but society tells us for different reasons that we're undesirable or that we have to work extra hard and overcompensate for love or for the thing or for the romance, right? Um, So those are my two questions. Number one, what about our cons or what do you think we landed on that can help other people who are black women in conflict land on? And, you know, maybe this is even a reminder to ourselves when we're in conflict with other black women, like, you know? You know, so I, yeah, there's, I'm trying to think about the best way. I tend to be very, transparent and open. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against being transparent and open. I just didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. No, I'm not going to be uncomfortable, but I just, (laughs) I try still, excuse me. I still try to be very mindful and respectful of people, despite whether or not they've given that to me. So, you know, in my interpersonal space with people, I will have conversations where names will be dropped. Right. Of course. Um, You know, but, um, you know, as it relates to you, I think even outside of like the common denominator between us, it was just, it was a matter of fact kind of energy that I was experiencing from you. And I was like, I'm sure this person is probably dope, but under these circumstances, Mm -hmm. I don't know who can tell this person to sit down somewhere. That's I, that's a concurrent theme I've heard. Uh-huh. I think it's going to have to be me, but I'm already tired from having to tell people to either sit down or to stand mm-hmm. up. And also this person is speaking in a way that feels familiar to me. So I'm annoyed because this person is over here with all of this energy about things that are very new to them. Right. But there's also something not new to me that feels like this person is very confident about. So, you know, after meeting you initially, you know, I needed to disconnect from a lot of things and a lot of people. And I did spend time doing that. But, you know, I recognize that I never had any interest in destroying anybody. That's never a goal of mine. That's never anything that makes me feel good. So when it came to you, I just really came from the perspective like, this is somebody who's had their own experience. And whether we experience something with the same individual or not, they've had their own experience, not just with this person, but with themselves. And that's something that at the end of the day, I will always respect about any Black person, but especially about another Black woman. I'm never going to, you know, trifle over somebody else's feelings um, and entitlement to an experience that they had with themselves in someone. And so, you know, that was the big thing for me. I think the bigger thing is that I knew what my experience was and you know, even to this day, I still know the experience that I'm having, which, you know, is unfortunate that a particular person figures out ways to don't he? <laughs> to just be um, disconnected from what I need, you know, and it's, it's always 
you know, about them. And that's the unfortunate thing, you know, for me is that what I always express to, to this individual is that when you are moving through movement, whether you know it or not, your impact interrupts things being possible, you know, for other people. And, right. you know, I've, I've seen them consistently, you know, access me, throw me away, access me, throw me away in ways that I was like, huh, if I've experienced that, then this person probably has too. So it isn't actually going to do me any good to create some type of rivalry with this woman. And just in case y'all haven't gotten it yet, we're talking about a man. Um, or last time I checked, they identified as a man. I don't know how they identify these Bitch, days. I have not spoken to this nigga since August. And what I will say to you is everything you just said resonates with me so deeply because that has been my experience. Mm -hmm. And when you say I would never want to tear you down in some rivalry, I'm not victimizing myself out. Mm -hmm. What I will say is I could definitely understand that duality. He's not the first nor the last nigga I've been involved with who's just dishonest. I mean, like, you know, I don't, I want to be polite about these niggas, you know? And what it bothers me about is that we are all very beautiful and intoxicating and, uh, and, and intelligent Mm -hmm. women like you know what I'm saying and I I'm just confused about how these niggas fumbled a bag over and over again and so for me they don't think it's a bag that's the thing they think they are the bag and that was the thing is like I also recognize that our interactions with this person probably weren't even at the same time which is also why I was like I don't actually give a fuck I'm actually more annoyed that he was able to access somebody to else who feels this confident about the shit that he's told them. And now he he got her in my face talking confident to me. Like, I ain't never heard this shit before. So now I'm like having tension with you where I'm ready to pop off on you, but my issue ain't with you at all. You just the messenger. And so that was the thing that bothered me the most is I was like, oh, she don't even understand the ways that she's being utilized in the grand scheme of things. So that was right. the issue is that I was like, but also she's so sure of herself. Nobody's going to tell her anything differently about what she thinks you know. Because I was wrong. <laughs> That's the second time I didn't said that shit today. <laughs> well, in this hour, <laughs> like I was wrong. And I think, you know, it, it's a conversation. I, I had lost my voice one time. It was, it was August. It was, it was me saying, yo, enough is enough. You know mm -hmm. how much money. I have afforded to you because you made me feel like no matter what, no one could take my place. And I said, and I gave into it because I'm a very fleeting person. Mm -hmm. And so if you could catch, I'm a firefly. If you could catch my attention from more than, I'm like squirrel, you know what I'm saying? I turn, I shape shift real quick. And yes, I would agree with you that I was really confident. And I I feel like there's a theme here, right? When it comes to any man, that is between another woman and myself, however I identify. And I feel like I do that confident shit when actually if I turn off my lights and I sit in my room 
in front of the mirror naked, I could honestly say I share the same intersection. <laughs> Even if it looks different, it has a different name. It, it's unwanted, unloving, unlovable. Um, you know what I'm saying? And it's just really unfortunate because I'm tired of fighting. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I didn't look at it as fighting. I looked at it as my relationship with this person is my relationship with this person. Sorry, sis. Mm. And I'm really fucked up for that. And and I know that this person continued to flit. <laughs> I got a, a Marco Polo three mm. weeks ago. And I'm like, Monica, I have not used Marco Polo since the app was downloaded. It was two weeks. And um, I'm just, I'm tired. You ever been tired of being unlovable? Uh, you know, and that's the thing. I'm not unlovable. That's what I had to correct with any assumption that I was making around me. It wasn't me. It wasn't you. If, if I can say that to you, you know, this person believes that they're unlovable. And so that is why they have created the circumstances Ooh. and other people carry that on because that is essentially what you want to do for someone you want to be well. You take on the things that you know they're fighting and those things end up becoming a part of you. And you're like, how did this become a part of my DNA? Right. And so then you have to spend time shedding. And so one of the things I've had to get very clear about myself, I am extremely lovable. I'm a, first of all, you're welcome. You had the opportunity to ever breathe the same air as me, you know. Um, Come on, sis. And there are people who will never, ever breathe the same air as me for as long as I live, because I'm very clear over the last six years who they are. Whereas before I was hoping that they would be who I wanted them to be. Um, so yeah, no, don't, don't take that on that you're unlovable and you're undesirable. No, because if you wasn't, a nigga wouldn't be Marco Polo in you. There's something about you that this person is attracted to. If you were able to let it go, you ain't use Marco Polo a year, it ain't you. You know, I got a text message from probably the same person three weeks ago. Right. So nigga, nigga was on a coronavirus special. He was on a coronavirus after school special. Perhaps that is what was happening. But, you know, again, God bless everybody. I am very grateful. <laughs> God bless everybody. Yeah, God bless everybody. I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to move beyond the fault of man to be able to look you know, higher um, into somebody else. And so, you know- I'm trying to remember, I think it was like, um, I think it was exactly two years ago that you and I had this conversation and I just felt like floored because I had so much ego. You couldn't tell me nothing. Mm -hmm. And when you told me, I wasn't mad at you because I saw a mirror. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It was like too coincidental, too much of- oh, the same thing, the same lines even, you know? So I appreciate you being a woman. Yeah. And saying, listen, sis, I mean, I still like you. You a badass organizer. I'm a badass organizer. Are we going to get this work? Are we going to get this money? What do we, what do we And that was what I appreciate about the conflict. It was like when it was finally out in the open or even the assumptions, I think, added to like our unknowing of each other. 
But when yeah. it was finally out in the open, like when it, the bandaid was finally ripped off, when you was able to tell your story and I was able to tell my story, I feel like that's when the healing began because then I started trusting you. Like I was like, well, Elle says she's going to be here. I guess she's going to be here. <laughs> like, And, and I, you showed I, yeah, up every time. time. Yeah, Every time that you all have asked me to come, I've never, but that's always who I've been. So, you know, uh, and maybe this is a segue, but um, to death, but my, my granny. I felt um, we was getting there. I circled it while you were talking. <laughs> yeah, you know, she lived, you know, such a long time. And the thing that I'm very clear about, you know, all of her years of life is that she was one of the greatest women to ever live because she was consistent. Mm. Her consistency is why 20, 30, 40, 86 more years from now, we will still have some imprint of her legacy because she was consistent with her love. Right. She was consistent with her care. She was consistent and she was honest. And that is, you know, I've learned from the greatest women you know, to ever live, you know, that is something that I do cherish and value. And so for me, there's no man that will ever be able to interrupt my ability to love another woman. And I hope that women would never let a man interrupt their ability. And I say this humbly and respectfully as a woman who slept with people's boyfriends, a woman who slept with people's husbands, you know, I've done it all. Um, and I'm not saying those things because I'm proud of them. I'm just saying those things because they're honest. Um, oh, you could be honest? Yeah, you know, I'm always be honest. That's one thing that I've never not been, you know. It's no, no, no. I'm, I'm guessing my illusion is about what you just said. I wrote down the words. I don't know if you can see it. I wrote down pro-ho, right? Oh, yeah. And so I wonder, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why... You know, like the the words account the the term accountability gets thrown out a lot, and obviously we listen to city girls. We be out here, Megan the Stallion it up, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about we a savage. We mm -hmm. sit on the dick. We take the bag. I'm in his two. Y'all the shit. And yeah. <laughs> when some ho ass shit happens, we uh -huh. turn into um, who who is it? Um, Mary Mary. <laughs> Why you slept with my husband? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all we can do is just honor the truth. And you know right. what I'm saying? It's not to say that harm isn't going to occur. Harm always occurs. That's the, the human part of life. It's just, have I built the community around me that can hold me um, in love and in truth? Right. You know, have I built that community? And if you haven't, you know, there's still more work to, to do. Um, but most important is just work to do with yourself. And that was the thing that was happening between us is that when you were speaking, when I first met you, I saw you in a way that you didn't even see you. You didn't even know yourself in that way. And I do think we have to really give ourselves permission to allow women to know each other more intimately, especially in those moments where somebody else might have us out here looking wrong. Looking goofy. Bitch, I was looking goofy. You understand what I'm saying? And y'all couldn't tell me nothing. Y'all was like, bitch, you look goofy. And I was like, still cute though. I mean, it was 
It's like having a baby by somebody, you know, where baby mama number one tries to tell baby mama number three and baby mama number three is like, I'm always have his heart. And it's like, girl, we all had that heart. We all had that dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know what lies. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> no, like the nigga has sucked all our titties in the same way. So right. actually having an experience that people don't know about. Right. It's not a out. it's not an intimate thing no more after a point. Like, you know, no, I got you. Like that intimacy doesn't exist. It's very easy to look at something very differently. When you find well, out like niggas then then you know been with bitches you the mentor, it's like eh. right. Ain't yeah, I, I definitely look at that person a whole lot differently, you know, and, and I brought it up. I was very clear. I was like, I could take anybody else. I said, but that's someone that I have, like, not that I don't have love and respect for other black women, but I was like, yo, I said, you broke my heart with that shit. because it was very simple for you to just do the right thing. Like it was, it was very easy for you to do it. And you didn't like, you know, and yeah, so that's I made, I've made peace that as it relates to me, he will never do the right thing. Which is why he don't ever have to acknowledge me. He don't ever have to text me. He don't have to, he don't have to do nothing. He don't got to write no songs about me. He don't got to put no subliminal nothings and nothing nowhere. Because, you know, I know who I was to him. And I know that is something he will always desire to return to. But he can't. Why are you like this? Because God is good. All the time. <laughs> I want to go into death. Because yes. these niggas need to die sometimes, okay? And I mean, like, die to their ego, die to everything. But I wanted to get a little serious because death is a, a topic that I think is like a trinity of a topic that Black trans women go through. Yeah. So here we have you, when I first met you, mm-hmm. when I first met you, I'm not talking about when you first started out with BLM. You and I'm writing it down. You, when I first met you, had just been deeply involved with advocating for the accountability of the cops who killed Tamir Rice. Mm -hmm. And then during that time, black trans women, their murders were getting reported on at an alarming rate. And when I say alarming, I mean, people just finally decided to notice, right? Mm -hmm. And then at that same time, I'm writing black trans women down. And then at that same time, you have someone like Kahari, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. I want to ask you about the Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you process being Black, being a woman, being a victim of violence yourself, how do you process this trinity and hold space? I mean, at the end of the day, Black women, we say we're not your mules, but bitch, that, that drawing is a lot of trauma. You know, how you hold space for this trinity of like consistent harm, like that, that is state sanctioned? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God is the foundation of my truth. You know, without God, I having God as a reference, you know, just even as a reference, not even in like my daily walk, but just as a reference um, has just been my salvation 
over and over and over again, you know, even as a 12 year old, you know, so for me, I've had to kind of have a lot of very honest conversations with myself since I was a child. And I think in a lot of ways that really kind of prepared me for an understanding of life's transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, experiencing violence early on as a child, I think also gave me a different sense of the threat of um, what it means to be, you know, young or what it means to be black. And so in a lot of ways, a lot of the things that I've advocated for or experienced are things that I've already experienced personally. So for me, I I came into it with my own understanding of of what it means to lose loved ones. Um, So, you know, I don't know, I'm probably, probably getting into the weeds of it because Mm. it's that's okay though. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's difficult to talk about because when you are surviving, how you're surviving isn't necessarily a topic of conversation. It is, it is a consistent action that you are taking and the actions that you take to stay alive and to keep yourself here, those actions change constantly. You know, um, I think that losing so many people and losing them so closely together, Close together. you know, that's something that I'm still processing. I think, you know, last year, it wasn't a month that there wasn't someone that I knew that wasn't either murdered or died. So last year there was just a month, every single month. And, you know, I suffered in some of my personal relationships because I've experienced a lot of death, whereas people around me have been experiencing their death for the, like death for the first time. And so they needed me to be very present with them. I did what I knew how to do to survive. And to not have to relive all the deaths that I've experienced. And it was certainly probably selfish, um, but it was also just something that I needed to do to really kind of protect myself from, you know, the impact that losing people has on you. Um, So, you know, I've struggled, you know, I think one thing that's really difficult just as an organizer is, taking on the pain of the loved ones of those who have lost and separating yourself from that pain so that you can stay focused on what your job is as an organizer. And so in the early years of working to organize around um, justice for Tamir, I went in very numb. So at no point in time did I ever allow myself to feel um, any emotion besides I have a job to do. I need to get somebody voted out. We have to do these things. You know, it was always about execution for me. So now that I've moved on and I'm in a very different place in my life and in my career and in my work, you know, I'm feeling all of those things a lot more. So everything that I've suppressed for the last, you know, however many years, I won't say my age, but you know, my birthday's tomorrow. 
Um, however long I've been suppressing those things, all of those things I am now feeling and, and dealing with, you know, um, when I was younger, you know, three of my cousins were, um, were, were murdered by their mother. And so, you know, that was my first experience at one, you know, in death, you know, I was five years old and, you know, I don't know what you tell a five-year-old around why their cousins who are the same age as them are no longer there. Right. So that's kind of been my experience since five years old until now has always been just learning about death and figuring out what it means. Even now, you know, um, I have so many questions around granny, who's not my biological grandmother, but in a lot of ways, because I don't have a relationship with my biological grandmother. Um, oh my gosh, dang. She was, she was a pillar of a model for me. Right. So no matter what I went through in life, whether I was, you know, founding this Black Lives Matter thing, or I was in New York City moving as a 20-year-old for the first time, no matter what stages I went through in life, she was always there. And I never could figure out why she was there, you know, so in her passing, I'm still having those questions, you know, so, you know, death for me is something that I don't have any answers to, and I've come right. into that I never will, but what I have learned is that in my relationship with God and, in, and with myself, I've been learning to make peace with the ultimate transition that one can go through. And I do appreciate having the perspective that I do as a trans woman to know that there are parts of me that I've had to let go of in order to realize myself and to right. realize the life that I want. So knowing that if I'm working daily to do those things to actualize my own self and my own life and determining what outcomes I have, then my transition into the next realm, you know, that will be just and it will be in service to God, despite, you know, whatever way that that happens. So if the state ever comes for me, I know that my work with God, you know, is, is enough uh, to sustain me in the next life and to sustain my people in this life. So that's just kind of the way that I navigated, you know, Kahari's um, death was really difficult for me because, you know, I didn't have, the thing is, it's so funny. I never have, I don't talk to people every single day. You know, that's not, that's not what happens, but in the times that I do have with people, you would think that we've spent so much time loving it. And that wasn't the experience with Kahari, but there was something that Kahari saw in me and just believed in it. I think the last time I spoke to Kahari was, um, he wanted to honor me through some work he was doing. And I remember we had a long conversation and, um, you know, it was the last conversation that I had with him, but I will always cherish that. And, you know, even with Kahari, you know, those were some of my thoughts. What was it that, you know, you saw in me? And then, you know, just comparing, like, what did my 87-year-old granny, who was very able-bodied and still mm -hmm. um, capable of being with us, you know, what did she see? What did he... And so I've just been piecing those things together, which is why I know 
that there's nothing about me that's actually unlovable. I believe I believe that the wrong people mm-hmm. were qualified to love me. And that is the only mistake that I've made. You know, my granny loved me deeply. You know, Kahari loved me deeply. So I have these examples and these people that I can reference that I know they didn't question. They didn't have no no hesitation about their love. You know, granny would tell anybody, you know, where's L? Like L has to L has to be at my birthday party, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, you know, that's you know, death is hard. It's it's hard, it never gets easier, you know, losing someone you love, losing people you don't know. Um, even in this time with COVID, I'm finding myself mourning um because you lose a hundred thousand people, there's no right. way not to affect us, you know, it's no way for that to not get into our, into our hearts, you know, right. are, are people who live just like us. So I always try to think about the bigger picture. That's always been my rallying call since I first organized women at my mother's kitchen table right here in Columbus, Ohio was what is our bigger picture? Like what, what do we believe in? Who do we believe in? I think right. we had interaction where you 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 said oh you be posting about God too much and blah 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 and I was like well what in the fuck like bitch you post about whole shit all the time bitch but you don't see me talking about you hard to follow bitch I don't give a fuck what whack ass nigga you fucking but bitch yeah I love God bitch that's how I get through this shit so you know for me that's what it's it's always been about that is my bigger picture has been how does God see me and what do I know about God's love, despite what I know about how death is happening to people who didn't deserve to die? Speaking about playing with death, what's what's one social distancing rule you've broken? None. None. Let me let me let me tell you how. Like I'm not fucking around. Like. Like I, first of all, I, so this is probably the only white woman I will ever say that I love, but I love, I've been watching Real Housewives of New York, which is, I love Real Housewives. So that's the thing that I love. Um, but I was watching Real Housewives of New York. There's a new cast member. Her name is Leah. And I saw this clip of Leah basically holding up a donut. And she was basically saying like, if your dick can fit through this, I don't want to hang out. Okay. So that's been kind of like the attitude that I've taken during this time. Like, I don't want to hang out. I don't want to chill. I don't give a fuck what nobody's opening the fuck back up. I ain't no nigga. I ain't like, I'm not that hard pressed for dick. I've had a lot of it. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, are you quarantining I, by yourself? I'm quarantining, quarantining, quarantining by myself, you know, so I am definitely feeling you know, the, the challenges of, of being alone, you know, um, that is very hard. So anybody who's out there quarantining by yourself, I feel you. I hope that you have good friends and have good shows and good food to kind of distract you from the difficulties of this time. But yeah, I'm quarantining alone. And honestly, I'm kind of grateful. I do wish there was somebody to maybe carry things up and you know things like that I'm so happy you said that that you wish somebody was around because my second to last question was going to be um 
if you had a choice to have someone around say uh-huh. say say niggas was like and for some reason niggas got real real hip in columbus right and was like nah there's a second wave coming we ain't going nowhere until july right and you was like damn i really wish i had someone to quarantine with i'm my question to you is would you rather quarantine with quarantine with me or with sean king and why oh you know what um oh so i would quarantine with you like without a doubt i don't know sean king um i really don't i you know, I just have a different politic around white people. Um, you know, in, but I will say this. I don't know if I'm to, Can I have some more wine, please? I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not. But, um, you know, I know Sean King gets a lot of flack and he should, and people should constantly do that. As it relates to Tamir Wright, there was a... a you know, a donation was made and given and transferred correctly. So I do want to just go on the record and say that about Sean King. So not to say that he don't steal Black women's work and all of the things that, you know, have been reported about him. But I just wanted to clear that up because I know in the social media where there's a lot of people saying like, what about the Rice family? And that's not an example that you can use. Um, all right. Thank you for clearing that iteration up. I'll remove item number 13 from my list of 29 topics, but okay. <laughs> yes. But no, I mean, I would quarantine, you know, with people I know, um, you know, if that was possible, but I'm not quarantining with anybody. I've set like very strong rules out here, you know. Well, like, you are quarantining with a little baby over there. Are you yes, going to give us the tea? my baby he is actually not even here like that's how serious I have been about my quarantine because I thought well even to this day like I don't know if I had coronavirus or not I did take a test it was negative but I had a lot of symptoms that lasted right month even now right in here it's it is burning like nobody's business but um so I've taken all of the safety precautions, you know, going to check the mail, taking out trash. I mean, you won't see me leave out of my front door without a mask, a mask on. Okay. You know, like I, I was going to put something on to show you how serious I am, but I won't do it. But yeah, no, I, um, it's, Bitch, it's, you was gonna, you was gonna take this interview with a mask on. I was thinking about it. I just wanted people to really understand, like, don't, don't take no chances out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need right now. My birthday's tomorrow, and it's I have rescheduled every time because I've been like, it's not safe yet. It's just mm. not. One thing One that is, I go ahead. Well, I was gonna say the only thing we can control in this life is what you know happens to our bodies. That is something mm. we can't control. So, you know, we can't control the police's response to us but we can control what happens, you know, to ourselves. So I'm like, stay home, order groceries, have things delivered, right. you know, find somebody to trick off. If that's what you do, just tell them that you're tricking on them. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell oh. them you got and swirl. We know you do that very well, but I'm talking about niggas, any niggas that might be watching or peeking in or, you know, feel like they might be getting talked about or whatever, you know. <laughs> Just be honest with people. Like you don't gotta lie to kick it, nigga. Tell a bitch what it is. You know, Lord knows. But yes. So yes, <laughs> I'm following all the rules. 
and I'm making up my own rules. So I appreciate it. I want to ask you um, about the Marsha P. Johnson Institute and like anything you got going on because you know a lot of people don't even know who Marsha P. Johnson is. I don't watch about two, I think two so far, um, documentaries about Marsha P. Johnson, and I still feel like I would never know. And you know, and I feel like you being the co-founder, as the founder, the executive director, the MVP, head bitch in charge, HNIC, like you understand what I'm saying, like. What would you say is the main reason that people should invest in the Marsha P. Johnson Institute? I mean, if white women can do it, why can't we? Madonna, Madonna shouted you out. I mean, in a, in a video, bitch. I mean, come on. Come on. Um, so many reasons why an organization like ours should be invested in. You know, it is a direct tie to the issues we say we care about. It is a direct tie to people we say we care about. And, you know, our ability to continue to invest in things so that those people have a fight, like someone with their 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 fist in the fight for them. You know, for me, that's what it's all about. You know, I try to really maintain that while we operate under a nonprofit apparatus, we are an organization for the people. And right. so if you believe in any people, you know, on this continent and the others, you know, investing in MPJI really is investing in, in that work. You know, it, that's really what it's all about. Protecting the human rights of black transgender people in the US is our priority, but we also understand our relationship to global movements. and. Right. Um, being in solidarity with communities in Brazil and in Africa, you know, for us, it's all about the bigger picture and being able to fight and also offer support for communities who need it. You know, I was telling folks when we first launched our COVID relief when I was homeless and, you know, definitely <laughs> doing things to survive, you know. Um, I know what that feels like. $500 would have been a blessing you know, and that's not a lot of money, $500. Right. Like, but at that time, me getting $40 was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? So being able to like contribute to that in somebody's life, you know, that means the world. So, you know, if you have it to give, I certainly say, you know, donate. If you are looking for an organization to be a part of, to really struggle through things that maybe you have questions about or um, are uncertain about within yourself. Our membership is open. We're welcoming our freshman class next month. So, you know, MPJI is really a labor of love, not only in service to our current movement, but just to the history of right. not only Marsha P. Johnson, but all of the Black trans women whose names we've never, we've never known. You know, Marsha might be one of the most formidable figures in a particular movement context, but we still don't even know much about her. So there's so much history that we've lost that really deserves to be protected. And, you know, I really feel um, very passionate about making sure that MPJI is open for 30, 50, 100 years from now. And it will be, Ashley. <laughs> it will be. Yes. So my last question, um, I went ahead and I dropped some money because I feel like you always 
Uh-huh. Even if he wasn't who he was, bitch, happy motherfucking birthday. Okay, number one. Well, it is my birthday. Thank you so much. I love birthdays, but it's a weird time to have a birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Hey. Happy birthday. I don't know the rest of the words, though. No, that was good. That was that okay. was enough. <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> no, I hope you have a happy birthday. I'm always, I know that I'm really bad with interpersonal relationships, but I'm gonna always look for you. Always. No, um, and I always have questions for you about where you are. So trust that I have questions for you outside of this parameter around where you are. Because I've got some updates and I just want to check in on a check in that. I said I wanted to do when I was there the last time, but we did not do. So, no, you're right. That's and, um, not for the people. That's for you. I know. <laughs> and I want to say um, also thank you too, because without going into it, you did tell me. Yeah, you, you've been telling me since 2017. Launch. Do your own thing. Whatever it is, even if it changes, do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, I don't want to. I gotta have a team of people. When I first started this, this show right now this kind of like having multiple people on and just talk about their stories and their lives and like where they're landing. I had 14 people on a team out, 14. And I was paying them all. Like, you know, say just to post one article once a month, paying them all. And it didn't, it didn't come to fruition. What? Was it like like the North Star or different? Bitch, I don't understand why. I just had to throw it in there. I just had to throw it in there. I'm just I actually cried about that the other day. I'm like, what is it about this white man that he can get funded and I got to like beg for the money? Like anyways, but I wanted to say thank you because you've always been like in my ear. Like, well, you telling me the story, but you wouldn't have this problem with all these people if you would just do the shit on your own. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I just want to say thank you because here I am actually doing it on my own. People I thought was in my corner have disappeared. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, I, and I'm and i left with the bag and the bag is empty this time and I got to fill it up myself. You know what I'm saying? So I want to say thank you because you always seen it. You were just like, you won't be disappointed if you just do it on your own. Yeah, no, you're welcome. And um, myself, like that's just something I've had to learn. You know, it's so much easier to be disappointed in others for not showing up. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be. Because yeah, I wanted should. to be angry, but I'm not no more. I'm all right. I'm like, all right, I'm all right. All right. If you come around again, that would be nice because it makes my job easier. But if you don't, I'm still me. Yeah, you should have expectations for people you're in relationships with. I think that's a healthy thing to do. The unhealthy thing is when you don't have any expectations around yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, in my own experience, even in my own organization, I'm still it's a new organization. So I'm having to learn that some things I actually am responsible for doing that to boss people around to do, but it's actually right. for me to do. And right. there are people I've asked to support that also have to do something. And if you're right. not prepared to do something, you and I can't be because I can't carry 13 right. people on my back. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it's my vision. So I'm carrying my vision in 13 people. It just doesn't make sense if I really want to carry. I'm also trying to push back a little bit because then that means that like, you know, the same things that happened with BLM Cambridge and my leadership, like I felt that way. I was like, oh, okay. If y'all can't 
do X, then that means I have to complete X, Y, and Z because I can't trust you. And that wasn't it. I should have pushed back and said, can you do Y since I've done X? You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And then if that was that second chance, then I would be like, okay, well, niggas, we don't need to make it together to Z. And I think that is a part of my leadership skill set that I'm still developing because I'm just so afraid to like let it fall through the cracks, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I really appreciate like, you've been there every step of the way actually. And thank you. My last question, I ask every single guest this. You're like, you welcome, bitch. Bitch, you welcome. No, because um, I mean, listen, the outcome, the outcome means so much more than any of the work. So being mm-hmm. able to see you doing this show, 32 episodes, however many people, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what means the most. Even if I'm never a guest on this show, I'm excited and proud of you because you completed something that you wanted to do, you know? So for me, that's what it's all about. That's as, as an organizer, you know, that's what it's all about for me is that people feel empowered to do what they want to do. Thank you. The question that I ask, I'm, I'm ignoring you. The question that I ask all my guests is uh-huh. a two-pronged question. Okay. One, did we talk about everything you wanted to talk about? Because this is the El Hearn show. This don't belong to Didi Delgado for this hour and a half. And the second yeah. part is, if okay. um, you know, you got to a point, you were like, oh shit, I'm mental. No, I meant to say that, or I meant to read this bitch for filth because I'm tired of her bullshit. Um, one, and then two, who would you like to see on the show? Um, no, we're good. I mean, we talked about all the things. I just hope, I hope this was good for folks. So, uh, that's my only ask. If you're watching, please leave comments, things that yeah. you like, that you didn't like, things that you didn't know. I would love to make you going to go know. back through the comments. I love when my I, guests do that. I, I, I love I when they go do back that. Through the comments and respond yes. to people, people yes. that I, people that I don't know. I love, I love feedback. Um, you know, I don't think all feedback is good feedback, but mm-hmm. I trust that some feedback is needed. Um, so if you just want to say happy birthday, you know, feel free to do that. Um, yes. But no, folks that I would love to see on this show. Um, oh, I would love to see Tracy. I would love to see Tracy, Treyance, my dear baby sibling. I would love to see them on this show um invited already they're coming on in july as they should be i think that's going to be a good time for for your folks uh hopefully trey i say will will set set all this shit on fire <laughs> i trust that they will my lord um who else oh um some folks who are doing great work i think martin henson from B-Man. I will write his name down. I don't think I know that person, but I will write it down. You know Martin, D.D. Who else would you like to see on the show? Okay, never mind. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, has, oh God, I might say somebody else and then, okay, never mind. I'm not going to say people. No, say it. Nope, I can't. Why can't you say it? I thought we, I thought we got here to a level. I was gonna say, um, um, don't lie. I see you quivering. <laughs> can't say it. Text me. Text me. Okay, I'll text you. Um, but yeah, I think I said my folks. I okay. mean, Monica, I, I think would be great. 
Monica, um, okay, I'm gonna tell everybody because I feel like I feel like it was I mean, a long time. No, no, here's the deal. I've had a particular conversation. So I mean, if you want to have this to say what you need to say, feel free, but go ahead. Do it's your show. It's our show. So what I will say is it's a long time coming for me and Monica to sit in this way because that is my wife. We have always discussed all the things and it was necessary for her to make the move that she made because I can't tell you as a bit, like I didn't speak to none of y'all about it. As much as people reach out to me and was like, how you doing? And people called me goofy and people was like, well, why are you still in community? Couldn't be me, all that shit. Nobody will ever know what me and Monica have been through together. And I've said that about less than five people in my life. Yeah. Nobody will ever know. And so when I reached out to Monica, I think it was two days, it was Sunday. I don't even know what today is. And I said, yo, I'm calling you because um, one of my followers had asked if um, someone, they would like to see me interviewed. And I said, and you the only bitch, like, you know, I love, I love all my friends. I have 10 really, really good friends and maybe five best friends. And yeah. I said, I love all y'all equally. I said, but I feel like Monica has a naturalness and a realness about her for only people that have lived the life that me and Monica have lived, you know? And I was like, I would really like for you to interview me. And like, no hesitation. She was like, yeah. So, I mean, that Monica will be on the show and she, she will be, that. that's my friend. That's my best friend. I love that. I think that's really good. You know, I, I love that. So I'm glad that all of my suggestions will be on the show. <laughs> you were scared to mention Monica. Monica's watching right now. She's going to fight you. It's fine. Y'all know I already been through bullets together. I mean, I don't know what else exactly. could happen. So I was about to say Monica could never fight me. We didn't like you were like I was in your house and it's I got shot it's not even that it's just like I love and respect Monica so much and I'm really proud of her and you know just really um there's nothing to not be proud of her for yeah just rooting for her so you know so no I mean that's the thing you're always going to get love from me like no matter who it is you know what I'm saying I can always approach from a place of love now the thing is when the love is gone then it's something different and um that typically is warranted by whoever I don't have love with anymore um because I have tried like I said to love people until the end of time but some people you just can't Monica is not one of those people um you know I don't think any of the people I named are those people although again you know we're all learning who we all are I've been learning every pass, day, Elle. Yeah, as we pass each other, we're learning every single day. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on number up. Oh my God, I can't, like I'm emotional now because just sometimes talking to you be having me like recalibrated. So thank you for being on this episode, episode number 32 of the full set. I is my personal commitment because now like I feel like Streets is watching. No cap, wow. no sub. <laughs> the Streets is watching. Wow. And and I need to just be better. Like I need to be a better friend. I feel like whenever there's like a, a pause, like I lean into the pause instead of leaning into the uncomfortable. Like, okay, shame aside, 
how you doing? Just texting you to say what's up. That's it. Nothing more. If I don't hear from you, it's because I know you got stuff going on. And I wish more people would actually set aside their ego in that way. You yeah. know, that we could all be in, in a lane together. Like we yeah. all be on the same highway, but your lane, even though we go in the same way, it seemed like your lane is very, it's a different, it's a different view even, even though we go in the same way. So I just want to say thank you for being um, on my highway, for me, for allowing me to be on your highway and being like, we look over and be like, bitch, I see you. And I just, I've, I've always appreciated that about you. You just make me feel like, humility but in a loving way so thank you because this conversation was healing as fuck so thank you I appreciate you no thank you and you know one thing that I'll say to you just for some public accountability stop giving the internet access to every nook and cranny about your life you don't owe no nobody no explanation about not one thing so that's just my my offering to you and you might struggle with that i struggle I, with it and i'm just gonna I leave it at that i no i struggle with it because i can't consistently am told that i do not take accountability and i feel like i've mostly have 90 percent of the time i've taken my lashings it's just a lot of times i don't talk about the times i've had to lick someone's ass and say i'm sorry that, even if i wasn't Stop taking those charges from people who will never, who will never stop, 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 stop. Okay. So that's my, my last little tidbit for you. If I, I gotta watch this over video, three times now. Yeah, if I see another video of you talking about some some conflict that you had with some people that you don't even know that you met on the internet, like I'm, I'm now I will square it with you and probably beat your ass. Cause I'm tired of seeing that from you. Like, I think you've taken enough lashings as you say for years that you don't got to keep doing that to yourself. And it's not to say that you're not wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that how you go through being wrong doesn't have to constantly be um, an opportunity for people to use you as an example for their own learnings and for their own undoing of harm and wrong that they've caused. You don't get to be the example for everybody all the time. So thank you. I love yeah. you. Love you. Thank you for this. This was really great. Shout out to all the Gemini's. I hate it here already. When you said that, I was like, wow, that's the note we ended on. I'll, I'll let you have it because your motherfucking birthday. Y'all better drop birthday, some cash on that PayPal, that Venmo, that Cash App. For the white people who decided to be quiet and not comment, I'm so glad you didn't take up space, but you better fill up that bank account. That's all I know. I love oh, you, Elle, and I appreciate you. you, and I will talk to you soon. I know I will. Yes, God bless. God bless you too, baby. Bye.